Hey, I'm Maria. I work at a labor union by day and write and watch too much TV by night. I like to say I've been firmly in the CW's clutches since it was a WB. As the great Seth Cohen on the OC once said about the fictional teen drama, The Valley, TV teen dramas are mind-numbing escapism. They exist in a fantasy world where 20-something hot actors are usually cosplaying high schoolers in melodramatic depictions of adolescents. But that's honestly why I love teen dramas so much. I love the tropes and the ships and the not-at-all-subtle product placement. I love the early aughts theme songs and the cameo performances by pop-punk bands. I love the newer generation of shows that are more diverse and representative of the vastness of teenage girldom. And I especially love the moments when TV teen dramas get political. You guys, we can organize, stand together, speak with one voice. Karl Marx has come alive for me today. Now it just seems so obviously wrong that those who control capital should make their fortunes off the labor of the working class. Well, since you've fired us, you've given us plenty of time to kick in. Workers of the world, unite! Throw up and Welcome to another episode of Leftist Teen Drama. Today, I'm joined by Dondre, returning to the pod for the first time in season two, and introducing my friend Rosalie to the pod for the first time. Hello. Uh, you know how it is on this show, we usually talk about like how we know each other and stuff, especially since we're talking about a nostalgic show today. Rosalie and Dondre are both my childhood friends. Uh, I've known Rosalie since we were in, what, like sixth grade homeroom together? Was that when we became friends? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and I've just we've discussed before that yeah, me and Andre knew each other in sixth grade, but really became friends on MySpace in seventh grade. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> Hello, everyone. I'm Rosalie. I live in the great borough of Queens, New York, and I am currently in school for social work. I intern at a elementary school. I live with a roommate and my wonderful cat Louise. And that's about it right now. Yeah, it's me uh, again, season two. <laughs> um, I've known Rosalie since fifth grade mm -hmm. when I used to silently judge her for wearing PJs to school. Tyler, what? <laughs> and then I know MDIP from middle school. And then yep. we all became a big friend group somewhere between seventh and eighth grade. Sounds about right. Yep. Yeah. And we've all been friends ever since. But I really do feel like we're going back in time to today. We're going back in time 20 to 21 years, depending on the episode. I love to talk about like our relationships to Degrassi. And also we could mention that it, we're recording this in January 2022. HBO Max announced like two days ago that they're reviving Degrassi yet again. This is a show that will never die. <laughs> coming back in 2023 it needs to come back i've decided <laughs> we made a great decision i'm fine yeah. with it because i feel like degrassi the degrassi we grew up with was a reboot to begin with so that's true i'm just very curious as to the intention with it how will it fit in with all the sphere of the all the other intense teen drama shows that like go yeah. by default now you know i also wonder like what the age of the characters are gonna be like the real yeah. life age because 
in you know Degrassi we grew up with they're very age appropriate mm-hmm. actors so I'm just wondering if it's going to be the same like that or they're going to use older people so that they can have like different kinds of scenes and stuff yeah, yeah. Also, I'm curious in terms of like the names if they're going to go the route of picking unknown actors that we can like form relationships with or if everything now is so like can we attach an influencer to it can we attach a big name to it so I don't know before mm-hmm. Drake was Drake you know there was just really natural age-appropriate organic actors who could really build a name for themselves with this show and so I'm curious to see what the casting is going to be looking like yeah no totally like I feel like it 100% like at the time that we were growing up like set itself apart very intentionally from like you know Dawson's Creek and One Tree Hill and like Gossip Girl and everybody who was doing like the like hot 20 somethings which you know I love but it's like you gotta have a little of both (laughs) yeah is good So. <laughs> so yeah i mean i just think that for us it was like basically always on for our entire childhood because it started in 2001 and then it lasted like what like 17 seasons something like that but in its first iteration i i will own that i stopped probably shortly after jt died i jt and liberty were my favorite on their own and together and i was too heartbroken after that to like go on for much longer this is like a definitely a a theme in this podcast in my life that like yeah if you like kill off my ship in a really shitty way i'm gonna like stop watching (laughs) i just looked it up it was 14 seasons from 2001 to 2015 okay cool it's funny because whenever i think of degrassi i actually think of you maria we would like sit in your family's car with like the little video i think you yeah whatever and we would watch i just like have a vivid memory of watching degrassi on our way maybe to that chinese food restaurant that i used to oh my god that place is closed and closed in 2012 r.i.p but yeah no totally we have the dvds of the first like five seasons i still have them like they're somewhere around here so Yeah, no, I was definitely, I don't remember when it was. It was either like late elementary school or early middle school, probably when I started watching. Like, I didn't like, but like, I remember watching it on the N to begin with, which mm-hmm. is now defunct. I think it like just turned into Teen Nick or something. But uh, it, it was like the channel that like used to have like teen shows or whatever. Yeah, Garia on it, all that good stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I feel like I would just watch Degrassi on that. And so I think I just ended up kind of watching reruns. And then maybe at a certain point, I kind of like watched it live as it was going. I don't really remember. I uh, remember when they did the Shark in the Water promo. That's yeah. not yeah. <laughs> 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 It gave me was shivering. Awesome. <laughs> Amazing. But Rosalie, you have like a recent like yes. new relationship with Degrassi, right? Very much so. Like, (laughs) during quarantine, like, the depths of the depths of, like, that just quarantine depression like when is this gonna end what the hell is this how do we go forward so my roommate and i we were like watching some other shows and then we're like we should have watched degrassi from the beginning and we watched the entirety of those 14 seasons you said dondre Mm -hmm. those 14 seasons from start to end and i cried so many times i was like these kids are teaching me so many life lessons <laughs> and i don't know it just has a new like very special spot in my heart because you know quarantine wasn't easy for many people and it's still not easy but 
I made it through because I watched Degrassi. You knew you would make um, it through? So, <laughs> I'm still trying to figure it out, but... <laughs> <laughs> they gave me the support I need, but yeah. Also, one of the best theme songs, hands Oh, yeah. Definitely. Yeah, continuing the theme of, like, every show that we grew up with and loved had iconic theme songs, and now we're adults and everything is sad and depressing. And minimal. <laughs> yeah. I had not rewatched Degrassi in like a really long time and I didn't realize it was on like YouTube until I think Rosalie told me this information. Mm-hmm. I don't, I think HBO Max acquired it though. So it might not be on YouTube by the time this comes out. I don't know how that works, but you know, TBD. <laughs> but so I was like, all right, if we're going to do an episode about Degrassi, I got to rewatch. So I rewatched the first two seasons and then I got to the point where I was like, okay, I think I already like thought of like a full episode length idea. So we're going to stop there for now. We're gonna do this and this is gonna probably be like our first Degrassi episode like I am almost certain I'll find more as I continue rewatching. that uh, is worth talking about yeah because like 14 seasons of uh, content is a lot of a lot of teen drama content also um, what a year for them to come back like 2001 like what a year <laughs> exactly so that that transitions uh, perfectly to what we're gonna talk about today because I just think that just watching the first two seasons which take place between like 2001 and 2003 it's just everything feels so like post 9-11 that's kind of cool how like teen dramas can be like time capsules like that because it really does feel like you're just dropped back into that era um when you watch it um basically what we're gonna do is we're gonna talk about specifically emma nelson and hazel again i think the show did a really good job and always has of showing teen girls in like messy imperfection (laughs) and that's definitely gonna be true of both of the girl storylines we're talking about today but yeah i just think that it's really cool how like i don't even think i realized at the time that it was like you know embodying the politics that were happening around like politics that i wasn't aware of at the time Mm. like that were just blended into the background of our lives growing up because we live in like a shitty imperialist country like i didn't like really realize anything about all of the backlash against like muslim people and how bad it was until like probably like college maybe like like that wasn't talked about i think it's going to be interesting to talk about all these politics that were very much just happening in the background of our lives. <laughs> very much so. <laughs> yeah. So to begin, we're going to talk about how Emma Nelson has been like a political activist from day one. I don't really think she, okay, I haven't watched in a really long time, but she doesn't really like remain so from what I remember. Like it kind of goes downhill at a certain point, well, in that regard, at least. I mean, if you like Emma Nelson, I'm not trying to come for her. But Life just hits her a little too hard. She can't be a politicist for too much longer. <laughs> I think in later episodes, like when, after she's like not on the show anymore she makes like one surprise appearance mm-hmm. it's like doing some bicycle tour about environmentalism maybe so i think she like stayed true but i don't know how in in depth yeah no i mean whatever it is i think that definitely the spirit of like political activist emma was most strong in these first couple seasons and yes. that was definitely how we were introduced to her so in the first two episodes of the show it's like the main plot line is about Emma, you know, being preyed upon by, like, internet stalker, like, mm-hmm. which is such a, like, like, it was so clearly written to be, like, cautionary tale for the parents and the kids. Yeah. <laughs> because, like, at a certain point, like, after they, like, rescue her and everything, the cop is literally, like, when it comes back, keep it downstairs, keep the cyber stalkers out of her room. And I'm just like, you're literally just talking to parents right now. <laughs> but the thing that I think is 
really like sad and it, but also like just shows that emma's always been like a political gal is that like her whole online relationship with this dude this like fake jordan is like about her environmental like activism and like emma suggests a petition that he does and like so she thinks that she's like has sway over him and stuff i don't know it's just it's really sad how he like plays on her passions they really like hopped in there with that like the first episode i remember when i like first started rewatching it because i i i remember i had never actually seen like the very first season or whatever and when i rewatched, it I was like whoa like that really they just went in there and really had her meet up with a an, an adult predator okay but yeah i know it was really sad that i mean i guess it it introduced us to her you know political side but it was sad that that's like how it had to happen yep also, quick little note, I forget that Emma's basically the only one who gets carried over from the previous Degrassi. Right? Yeah, she does. So just the formation of her character, and it was already so much history to kind of come into it with. So I uh, just thought I would throw that out there. Yes, it's definitely true. In the background of everything that's happening is like the Degrassi 10-year reunion, which is like, when they said that, I was like, wait, we're about to be like 10 years out. <laughs> Like, what? <laughs> I don't want to talk about that. Yeah, being but a family. It's still fitting. It's been 10 years. That feels real. <laughs> it, it, yes, but it's also just weird to be, like, theoretically the same age as, like, the adults in the beginning of Degrassi. <laughs> Right. No, children, no plans of children anytime soon. <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> so we kind of continue on with Emma being, you know, political activist gal. In the third episode, JT runs for president against Ashley, and it's a whole like seventh years versus eighth years, seventh years rights kind of thing. And yeah. Emma is like very passionately like grade sevens have just as much right to run for president as grade eights. Like she really is that girl. <laughs> yeah. Like, even when it's not her cause, she still has, like, an opinion. <laughs> but the first time that we really see her, like, be an advocate is in the, only the fifth episode, the Parents' Day episode, which originally aired on November 4th, 2001. And basically, she sees that, they, that they're being given this propaganda at school and decides to stand up against it. And specifically, the thing sort of revolves around the idea of squeegee kids, which is, like, still a thing. So that's also kind of like really sad i mean we had this of the moesha episode too like there's just like a lot of shitty oh. inequalities yeah and parallels that you see are just like oh still doing that mm -hmm. great but yeah so this is the first plot line we're gonna watch so hi i'm ryan and this is nicole and welcome to nak news about kids today we'll be talking about something that infests major cities everywhere and we're not talking cockroaches we're talking squeegee kids stalking street corners waiting to pounce on unsuspecting cars hijacking your hard-earned cash to waste on drugs and tattoos are squeegee kids legit or lazy are they just another cool trend for today's media saturated youth <laughs> Remember, guys, you're here at Media Studies after lunch. And it was just a TV show. Squeegee kids are very annoying. No, squeegee kids are poor. They live on the street and they wash windows. It's their living. My father says that if another one of those ragamuffins tries to dirty up his window, he'll call the mayor. He knows the mayor. <laughs> ah! <laughs> 
Okay. Last week, NAK told us to join the army. What's tomorrow? A hole in the ozone is good because it makes a better tan? Imagine being a squeegee kid. Out in the cold, no school, no parents. No parents? Toby, this isn't a joke. <laughs> the accents are so much more prominent for me now. I didn't realize how... I don't know the the Canadian accents. They were they were they were there. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Did we mention yet that like this is set in Toronto? I, mean, I feel like we haven't talked about that aspect of it. Like we were we were really all like hanging on to every Canadian kid's word. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> also, um, ragamuffin. Where did she get that word from? <laughs> oh, <terrible>. uh, Liberty <laughs> is a really interesting, like definitely like educated upper class black woman who like is gonna stay that way. Her parents can all of her grandparents politics with that yeah. <laughs> like oh my god her what are they supposed to be seventh graders like that's pretty politically like savvy yeah. like <laughs> just like making jokes about the ozone layer and shit like mm-hmm. definitely and her just like being able to see like there's more to poor people than a lot of people think she sees past the stereotypes i guess at a really young age. I feel like I wasn't having those ideas until I was probably in in high school. Yeah, and she's not afraid to be on her own with her opinion, which is, you know, so refreshing and probably super inspirational for us in terms of us being the outspoken millennials that we are now. I feel like, you know, it wasn't wasn't always cool to to stand up and to say what was right and to be the only one doing that, so. I I mean, yeah, even when we did it in high school, it wasn't cool, apparently, and we thought that we lived in a progressive community, and then it was like, not not as much as we thought. Not not progressive, at least (laughs) not until everyone went to college and realized, oh, those kids were right. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) How many messages have I gotten from people being like, thanks for talking about feminism, and I'm just like, yeah, Y'all let me be bullied to, to you know, hell and back. March but... 2012 to like <laughs> Beyonce dropping self-title the next year. And it just like, I don't know, just very, I feel like our generation are specifically 94 and 95. Like we're always on the cusp of change and we always miss it. Like right before everyone gets along with it. It just, I, I don't know if you guys have noticed that, but I feel like every sector of life, it's like we experience the very last of the worst before the big change happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like we're the last of, we really are like the last of the 90s kids. And it like yeah. very much feels that way. <laughs> very much feels that way. <laughs> yeah. Did you, see, did you see that meme recently where it was like the number 30 running after um, no. like 92 <laughs> and 93 and it like snatched 92? No. Wow. Yeah. No, I don't know. We're coming up. I think Terry's going to be very sexy on all of us. I'm very excited. Honestly, yeah. I feel like just, like, capitalism has made it so your 20s suck, like, the most now. And so, like, the whole, like, being in your 20s, having fun thing isn't, like, as cute as it used to be. But I feel like now maybe in your 30s you can be cute and have fun. So that's fine. (laughs) I'm holding on to that thought. Yeah, exactly. Especially as our 20s get eaten up by COVID. (laughs) <laughs> well, I'd rather our later 20s get eaten up as opposed to Andrea's early 20s because I'm like, mm, girl, I feel bad for you. <laughs> yeah, so true. Bad for you. All right, so we can watch the next clip where Emma decides to take action. It's not like people really think about it. That's the thing. They don't want us to think. They want us to become brain-dead NAK robots. What's with her? NAK rage. Kind of like road rage. And the announcements, they have commercials. They are trying to buy our brand loyalty in homeroom. Emma, 
Who are you talking to? I could talk, or I could take action. Imagine being here for a day. Mr. Oh. Radish, could I talk to you about this morning's NAK broadcast? I'm all ears. NAK is totally biased. This morning they tell us squeegee kids suck, and then they tell us what kind of running shoes to buy. It's wrong. Have you seen the new computers in the Media Immersion Lab? 18 computers, thanks to NAK. In exchange, we show their morning broadcast. Whatever they want to report? But that's bribery. No, that's 18 new computers we wouldn't have otherwise. The parents voted for it. And remember, not everyone at Degrassi has a computer at home. But if you feel strongly about it, write an opinion piece. Make sure you get it in by four o'clock. Make the parents day edition. Four o'clock today? Think you can do it? I find it very annoying that, cause you know, this is this rhetoric of Gen Z just being like sensitive. And I'm like, this is just youth culture. Just like being a kid and clearly being able to see what's wrong with the world, but still feeling powerless right that. I feel like every mm. youth from the seventies to the sixties, like it's just always, that's just being a kid is being able to see so much, but still be limited in what you can do. So I really hate that it's always, you know, framed as a, oh, this generation, this, I'm like, every youth culture has their thing that comes and, you know, politicizes them. I just, I love that. <laughs> yeah. And actually what's, what angers me was like, I was like, he's not wrong because schools need these resources, like 18 new computers for, you know, that means a lot to a school, you know? Totally. And I know this is in Canada, but, you know, over here, you know, working in a school, you just see face to face how these resources are not being shared with our, you know, school children. So it's like, yeah, I mean, you would kind of got to do sometimes what you got to do to get 18 free computers. But it's really cool that Emma can see more. Right and wrong, regardless of, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, clearly, like, there's a void in, like, what the government is willing to give schools that is being filled by this other entity. So she's definitely pointing out, like, a real structural problem. Like, it's like, yes, and, like, you know, like, yes, and we should also, like, already have those computers, like, funded. If we have enough kids who don't have a computer at home, which, of course, it's 2001, like, of course, that's true. Um, Like, you know, then there should be an an adequate number of computers already. So, yeah, she's she's doing it she's pointing out the right things and she's you know and and i think andre you're right like i think it's a lot like kids just like can like see what should be true like you know what what is fair and then they see that what is fair isn't happening and they're like what the fuck (laughs) yeah yeah so basically emma then brings her editorial to liberty who is apparently like yeah like the grapevine i think is the name of their newspaper she's like the editor-in-chief that's like a seventh grader and she's all like all right i'll make an exception but don't get too used to it i'm trying to run a professional operation here like also i thought it was important to note that emma submits her article on a floppy disk and it gets into the parents day edition and so we're gonna watch the final clip in this plot line where emma essentially gets into a fight with sean's full you know brother who's like a fully grown man (laughs) about the squeegee kid issue so proud of you rave review after rave review wow mom editorial so what you have to watch this video every morning free computers are free computer man what idiot wrote this excuse me i wrote that oh sorry i was don't look at her it's my piece and i'm right students shouldn't be force-fed advertising when we're at school if you don't get it you're the idiot Look, it's not that serious. What? Expressing my opinion isn't important? Well, that's all my brother's trying to do. I could tell, and he's wrong. 
I'm wrong. Tell me, is it fair or is it wrong that Sean here is falling behind in school because we can't afford a computer at home? He can do his homework here. But yeah, free computers, huh? If you read the entire article, you would know that- That's a piece of garbage. It is not garbage. Looks like garbage to me. Smells like garbage. Track him, huh? All I'm trying to say is there's two sides to every story. Try to remember that next time. Damn. <laughs> First of all, tracker as uh, Sean's brother's name apparently is. That is like way too hard to be dealing with like a child. Like, I know. Really? <laughs> really? I'm trying to like rack my brain if like any of my sister's friends ever spoke to me like that. Mm. But I don't think so. I feel like administration probably spoke to us like that. <laughs> Just, oh, you know, you know I, I, I know. got administration. <laughs> it actually sounded exactly like that, but different, but yeah. exactly like that. I love that she can still stand her ground even with an adult. You know, it's just regardless, right is right, wrong is wrong, and doesn't matter who says otherwise. She's going to speak her shit. I love that. Totally. Yeah. No, she's fearless in a way that I was definitely not at that age. Like, I'm like, damn, you go, girl. And she, she was literally like, don't look at her. Me. Like, <laughs> like, I was like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I'm trying to remember back to seventh grade, and I think I just blacked it out, honestly. Uh, yeah, that, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> she later makes up with Sean, which is like it's funny that also it's just like Sean's like her love interest and like mm -hmm. she's like sparring with his older brother. But they like make up and Emma's like, I'm a little outspoken. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so then I also wanted to give a, I, I give a couple Liberty Vans Vant mentions, even though she was like, you know, not on the right side of history when it comes to the squeegee kids. Yeah. She does occasionally sort of like get get political, her plot lines get political because I feel like she's also a very like ambitious, like driven character on the show from day one. Mm -hmm. I mean, she's like the newspaper editor apparently. And then she also helps with the morning announcements. And so like in the seventh episode, she tries to like go on strike to protest Ashley not letting her go in front of the camera, the morning announcements, mm -hmm. which she ends up succeeding and going on them, but then like totally kind of falls on her face, which is sad. But I, I do appreciate the initiative. Uh <laughs> <laughs> and so then the ninth episode of the season, we come to a amazing, I would say iconic, personal is political kind of outspoken Emma Nelson moment. This is the getting her period at school episode. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Which I remember from growing up really vividly. Like I like as the episode was starting and like Emma was like kind of like having some PMSing moments that they were trying to be really exaggerated about. Like she was like eating ruffles in front of like the TV or something. And I'm like, I mean, same. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, this is a period episode. Like I like, immediately remembered it. So again, just like a moment when Emma acts in a way where I'm like, man, you are a cool ass seventh grader. I I would ne I could never. <laughs> so yeah, do you want to watch the first one? So this is, I mean, probably this is mostly going to be for us watching it because a lot of the comedy is physical, so we're going to have to describe it to y'all. But Emma, Emma, you know, bleeds through her skirt, as has happened to many of us who have vaginas over, <laughs> yes. over millennia. <laughs> Did you sit in something? What? No, I... You coming? <laughs> No, what do I do? I don't know. This hasn't happened to me yet. Um, 
no, I don't think we have time for the horoscopes. So you should go to class now. Okay, don't panic. <laughs> Everything's gonna be fine. We'll figure out something. No, we should celebrate. celebrate what exactly? Becoming a woman? And you can get pregnant now. Oh, great. Can we celebrate by finding me a washroom? Yesterday, I thought you were a colic. It was just BMS. Manny, I can't go to class like this. And we have a book report to do. Do you have a jacket? You could tie it around your waist. I don't have a jacket. It's like summer outside. I know. Your gym shorts. I brought them home to wash. Me too. Um, I'll figure out. Manny, don't leave me. So yeah, I mean, I, I think we can just like sort of describe that they used a notebook tech to <laughs> cover her ass, which unfortunately was covered in a white skirt. <laughs> yeah, perfect choice. Yeah, all the way to the bathroom. So now that they are, yeah, now in the predicament of figuring out what to do. Manny, what took you? <sighs> wow, that almost saved the world skipping a class. You're not protesting something, are you? <laughs> Uh-oh, your friend came to visit. And you don't wear light colors when you're getting your period. I didn't know. It's my first time, okay? So just leave me alone. Got that purse! If you need it. I mean, you could get one from the office, but that's kind of a drag. Ew, imagine. Mr. Radich, can I have a maxi pad? Mini. But yeah, totally gross. It's got wings. Man, I am so not ready for this. Hey, you'll get boobed now. Like I want boobs? <laughs> you might at some point. They're actually really great. But I mean, I like being a kid. You're still a kid. Just with a mini pad. Big deal. I'm not <laughs> going to turn into... Me? <laughs> Honey, you wish. <laughs> what? It's the girls' washroom. Sue me. Sorry, Miss Kwan. We had a bit of an emergency. Really? Well, you can give me the details after class, but now... Book report, please. <laughs> okay. Our book was I Heard the Owl Call My Gym Shorts. <laughs> yo, yo, Pop Emma's in the house. <laughs> this book is a bit too big for you. Metaphorical. Guys, pull yourself together. Do you have a problem? Um, it's okay. <laughs> Pick your battles, girl. Pick Did your battles. <laughs> no, I just got my period for the first time. Menstruation, you may have heard of it. Happens to oh fifty percent of the population. Perfectly natural. Nothing to be ashamed of, right, Miss Kwan? Absolutely right. Now, may we continue? Our book was <laughs> my name. It's a bit metaphorical. <laughs> Because it relates. It relates. Oh my god. It's so. Wow, that Sean loves it. Who didn't like owls much? Yeah. So yeah, the, the key thing that you can't see, but that we were all awing about, is that Manny is like helping Emma hold up her pants like the whole time they're presenting, which is really cute. So small, <laughs> just small little people. I know, and I love, I love that Manny is like this is before her breakthrough moment, so she's really like timid and shy right now. And then also with Paige. I feel like she's always, you know, she's such a meanie 
but she's always had such a like soft spot mm-hmm. in her heart ever since the beginning of the show even though totally. she isn't always the nicest you can always see that she does actually care about people in her mm-hmm. weird way of showing it yeah no one's totally good or totally bad on the show they're just teenagers going through life which i always have loved mm-hmm. oh yeah absolutely but yeah i've always just like remembered like specifically the moment when she calls out the boys and the boys reacting like i just always remembered that moment and like i thought it was so cool when i was little i was like she just told all of them i didn't know what to say like and yeah i just think it's like such an empowering thing and yeah i mean she she might have been like you know not the first one to have gotten her period and other people might have been like embarrassed about it and then she like you know was like kind of setting everyone straight yeah (laughs) Yeah. use her vulnerability to empower herself which is really cool to see a seventh grader do (laughs) and she just can't like like you said like picking her battles is not a concept that emma has any familiarity with like she just is like what did you say (laughs) 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 love it and so then we're just gonna watch this final clip in this plot line where you know petition queen over here starts a petition uh, somehow connected to this as well you feeling okay oh yeah manny i love being a woman i don't feel any different there you go but i did have this idea like my mom says never be embarrassed to be female Paige, do you want to sign my petition to get a tampon dispenser installed in the girls' washroom? Yeah, sure. Hey, Sean, want to sign Emma's petition for tampons? Sure. If Emma came up with it, it's got to be a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> the music. <laughs> I love your smile. <laughs> Not her, <laughs> her and yeah. my favorite are are still my favorite couple that's come from that show. But anyway, they're they do such a good job of blending the personal and political. Like they're still teens, but they're like I don't know. I just love it. It's such a so ahead of its time. Totally, and just so like it, there are things that are like very unrelatable on this show to most people, and it's more like giving an awareness that some kids go through that. Mm-hmm. And then there's some things where that's actually just like this could happen to anyone. Like plenty of people have like gotten their period without realizing it, even once you have it, and it's not even necessarily your first time. Like mm-hmm. it's not unheard of. When you're a teenager, like that definitely happened to me. So very like relatable. So occasional, like I just like how they mix those two concepts together so that it feels relatable, but also at the same time, sometimes it's just like, you know, wildly unrelatable because the characters are so relatable. You're like, oh shit. Like, I understand what it means to go through that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So now we're going to go to, well, just to describe the introduction of Hazel. So Hazel, again, is introduced in the 10th episode of the first season. And she basically is introduced when there's a rumor chain happening that Emma accidentally starts about how she thinks that Liberty and their math teacher, Mr. Armstrong, are like having some sort of like affair when like really Liberty he just needs help with math like extra help and she's embarrassed about it because she like you know it's like a smarter kid it's like right. her image and hazel is one of the people in like the chain of people who like passes the gossip around and that's the first time that we see hazel and i also just wanted to mention that plot line because that's definitely a point when like emma majorly fucks up and like she thinks she's helping but instead she like starts a rumor mm-hmm. and just liberty like 
saying go back to saving rainforests and whales because when it comes to saving people, you suck. (laughs) (laughs) It killed me. (laughs) But I guess that's kind of, I guess she kind of does stick with the environmental uh, causes. And so then Emma and Hazel kind of converge a couple episodes later when, again, just to point out that Emma is a very flawed character, her very misguided, super early 2000s feminism about how cheerleading is bad like mm-hmm. i feel like that was just a thing in the early 2000s where it was just like cheerleading is sexist and like all people who do it are like you know like bimbos and shit which literally emma calls them bimbos in her article about it which is further you know perpetuating harm <laughs> yes exactly but basically hazel and Paige are trying to start the spirit squad and emma writes against them because she thinks cheerleading is sexist and asian hazel emphasized that that there are dudes on their squad as well so i just thought it was funny that that's where they converge and then in the next episode emma and manny when there's a cabaret they like do an animal rights skit where they're like animals and there's like a hunter that comes and shoots them and Everyone like totally laughs at them and Sean tells them to shut up. <laughs> it just reminded me of being a political kid in high school for sure. Like everyone... Everyone's joke to laugh at. Yep. And so then skipping ahead to season two, I feel like the kind of like main defining plot lines that we're going to talk about today are in season two. So first of all, this is right after Paige is sadly raped, which is like one of the first big plot lines like that they did, like one of the first heavy ones they did. Um, And Hazel is the first person that Paige opens up to about that. And I think what really importantly, Hazel is the one who calls it rape for the first time to Mm -hmm. Paige before that. She was definitely still thinking of herself as like she somehow made it happen and blaming herself. So I I thought that was a really cool moment. Did you see the problem? like doing an episode about hazel is that like hazel gets really not used as much as i feel like she could have mm-hmm. and so i just have like too small of a list of me pointing out like where she's actually relevant you know yeah. i remember like when i started re-watching it i had hardly even remembered hazel as a character and i was kept watching in like the episodes that she was in i kept being like justice for hazel like She's such a great character and we don't get as much as we should. And, you know, I think that, you know, kind of has to do with race, probably. She's, you know, one of the only black characters on the show and, you know, doesn't get as many big storylines as all the other white characters. Yeah, she's everyone's token friend, just an accessory to push the story forward, at least for the first season. Yeah. And so in season two, she gets like what I'm... And you can correct me if I'm wrong, Rosalie, because you've watched more recently than me, but what I really think is her, like, only big storyline that she gets, where it's, like, about her and, like, yeah. kind of, like, the main plot of the episode. There's, like, things here and there, but that one is definitely, like, the one that sticks out yeah. as her storyline, you know? Yeah. I feel like she's usually the B plot, too, and this is, like, the one time where she's, like, definitely the A plot oh, yeah. um, of the episode. So, yeah, so we're gonna, we're gonna do it. Don't believe the hype. Original air date, December first 2002 which is season two episode 11 is what i would think is like the hazel coming into her own episode really just like the hazel episode because we don't get any others as we were just saying and yeah no i think that what you said dandre like she's like Paige's best friend and then eventually she's like jimmy's girlfriend and i feel like that's like what she's relegated to for a while especially after jimmy gets shot like i feel like that overshadows her because that's like her main connection to like the main plot at that point right 
but this is like you know 100 percent the kind of plot line that screams this is 2002 <laughs> so we're gonna watch hazel basically deny who she really is and then slowly decide to come into her own <clears throat> maybe i should bring haggis for international day isn't that made from stomach or liver or something even grosser yeah but it's my scottish heritage Terry, you are under arrest for wearing last year's jeans. Fashion crime. <laughs> well, I know someone who could use a ticket herself. Me, a fashion criminal? Yeah, for starting the school year with a mullet. <laughs> but you guys want a real fashion crime? Do you think there may be bald under there? Do you think maybe you're just a bit ignorant? You're under arrest. Crime, terrorist chic. Very funny, Hazel. Well, okay. Hayes, when I'm offended, you know you've really gone too far. <laughs> Just like that, what do you expect, right? Yeah. Self hatred going on there. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um Obviously, knowing that it's that, it's still hard to watch, but like knowing that makes it a little easier to watch. Painful to hear Paige be like, I'm offended. <laughs> it's about me. Yeah, and I love Ashley is definitely like a little less political than Emma, but definitely among the more like political of the characters. And so her being like, maybe you're a little bit ignorant, slams locker. Like, <laughs> I also, like, I think it's really indicative of the time that, like, Fariza is the name of the, the Muslim girl. Like, she just, like, it's like, oh, very funny. This is part of my life. People are going to make these jokes. So I'm just going to, like, treat it as if it's a joke and move on. Feels very indicative of the fact that this is, like, a normal part of her life. I definitely was like, you know, I want to look up whether, like, I just wanted to, like, be sure that, like, the fact that 9-11 happened in the U.S., like, <laughs> had an effect on Canada. And, like, it did. Like, I looked, I looked it up. But it was like there was a significant spike in hate crimes against Muslims, specifically in Toronto in the aftermath of the 9-11 attacks. So like mm -hmm. this is set in Toronto, like feels very much like they were pulling from what was really going on. So, yeah. Quickly, because for 2002, like, yeah, life imitates art. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. I'd be really curious to see what those writers rooms were like. I have no clue what they're like in Toronto, especially back then. But yeah, I'd, I'd be really fascinated to see the racial and the age demographic of the room, because I don't know, they were very quick with it. <laughs> Yeah, no, totally. And like, I mean, I think this is the kind of storyline that probably only could have happened in Canada in 2002, yeah. like yeah. in the US, like, oh my God, like the US was like playing like, you know, like Disney Channel commercials with like, you know, America propaganda, like 24 seven. Like, it was like, Oh my God, I was me and Sharon talking about that, how Disney Channel had like all the Disney stars singing like patriotic songs and just like, yeah, I think I saw that. And I'm like, yeah, okay, this it is resurfaced weird. recently. It resurfaced recently on Twitter, and it was. Oh, yeah, I'll try to. Well, I'll try to find right. it to put it in the show notes so that then I can also share it with you. But <laughs> it was horrifying and like. <laughs> just like very like just propaganda propaganda yeah, and, like, you know they were all teens too like all those actors and like doing that shit back in the day i feel like the same thing's happening now with covid like with olivia rodrigo going to the white house like oh, it's yeah. just like 
America's response to self-inflicted trauma <laughs> is usually like, let's forget about it. Let's just be prideful. We're a very strong country, even though the reality that we're living does not reflect that at all. Like, but I digress. No, you're too, you're, you're too right. painfully right. You're painfully right. Like, it's making my stomach churn a little bit. <laughs> Yeah, it's Great Night International Day. I feel like we did some stuff like that growing up, and it feels like a very, like, liberal, like, let's do diversity kind of vibe. Like, I, I think maybe in, like, fifth grade we did something. Obviously, I went to a different elementary school than y'all, but maybe it was a district-wide thing. I don't know. But I think in fifth grade we, like, did, like, some sort of, like, everybody bring something in about their heritage kind of thing. Ooh. And which just feels like, like, honestly, like, that idea feels very, like, like something that, like, Maplewood, South Orange, like, parents would be, like, you know, coming over, you know? <laughs> yeah, I also remember in fifth grade, uh, back to school night, they recruited a couple of us to get parents to vote. <laughs> like we were literally outside trying to get people to sign up to vote, and I was like, they're like, really? Yeah, like I very, very, really remember just like having to say like, oh, like vote for Carrie, vote for Bush, whatever, just, just vote, you know. And the whole entire time, I'm like thinking of as being a parent at that point. I'm like, if I saw a little fifth grader being forced to like encourage people to vote during a time where it's really shitty in America. Like I just, I'm sure a lot of adults just looked at me and shook their head because <laughs> it's just like you have no clue what you're even doing right now. <laughs> yeah, I remember in middle school, who was the? I don't remember the science teacher's name, but it was like seventh grade or something. I was wearing an Obama T-shirt, and he just was it Mr. Johnson. Yes, I think. <laughs> but he like went at me. He just yeah. completely went at me. He's like. Why do you support Obama? Why not this? Why not that? Da 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 da. Like grilling me, and I was just like, yeah. oh, I'm just... I think I was there that day. I think I remember that. Yeah, he was very, very, very weird about that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't wear an Obama shirt now, but. I was in seventh grade. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he was really working in the wrong school district to be having beef opinions because, like, I feel like Maplewood South Orange during the Obama years was like, you know, Obama Everyone swag as Obama far as the eye could see. Yeah. <laughs> so many people from where we grew up like went down for the inauguration. Mm -hmm. I remember the inauguration was playing like in the cafeteria. Yeah. Like, oh in, yeah. So Andre, remember we like ran and hugged each other? Okay. Um, <laughs> It was a big deal. It was the yeah, first black president, yeah. you know? I know. Just in retrospect, just oh, I know. people on pedestals. We were like, all, yeah. and also we were all like really hopeful. Like, like if you think about it, like what we thought Obama was going to deliver, like it makes sense why we were all excited and hopeful, but then like it's just like wah, wah, wah. Right. <laughs> also, so much was carrying on him becoming president in terms of like the first for so many different things, but also yeah. he needed someone who was going to be the people's voice the people's voice but you know it's just i don't know it, it, we needed it at that point <laughs> yeah early 2000s politics of it all man <laughs> we had no choice it chose us <laughs> <laughs> um, let's go to grade nine international day gonna be cringe first up a reminder that tomorrow is grade nine international day so i expect to be dazzled by each and every one of your displays what if you don't have a culture? Gavin, we've been through this. Everyone has a culture. So bring food, dress up, do a Maybe play. Maybe he doesn't. <laughs> and what if we do nothing? Nothing. Thought you would have been into this, Hazel. But if not, class participation is 10% of your mark. OK, attendance. Aden, Zoean, Brooks, Brookshank. Haven't you started yet? Coatsy. Oh, well, if you haven't, maybe I Isaac. can help you finish it tonight. 
As Frazier. in me coming over to your place, finally. Garcia. Sure. Bronofsky. Maybe. Hamilton. And the complete lack Anders? of invites, Shavu. Paranoia-inducing. Are we best friends or not? Irwin. What do you think? Michael Chuck? I, I know you're here. Talking to Hazel as always. Oh, man. Mm, I feel triggered by that. I was going to say, Dodger, I feel like you would have... <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was... It, I just think growing up, being the only black friend in the friend group, and also having a two-family house and living on the maple hood side of town like it was just easier for me to go to y'all's house because i could just like i could control that you know i could i could shape shift based off of the situation that i was in but i felt like if you guys came to my house it would just reveal too much and so i don't know even even though i knew you guys loved me but it just was like even then at that age i was like even though they love me i'm gonna see the expression on their faces and they won't be able to change that they won't be able yeah. to control seeing how different i live and how you know i don't know you could just see it and so I, I don't know i just outgrew it of course but i just remember just being that token friend who just always needed to keep themselves small to keep everything palatable you know not that it was yeah. your fault or anyone's mm -hmm. fault it's just what yeah, i probably yeah. had to do to you know to blend in totally and that's like you know yeah clearly what she is doing like 100 percent. like she's like you don't need to know anything about my life outside of the school and like us hanging out like you know and clearly her and Paige are like newly best friends too so I feel like it's even more of like that feeling because it's like you don't even have the feeling of like I know they love me like it's like mm -hmm. it's a new friend like I don't know that I can trust them with that information even yet necessarily mm -hmm. yeah and I actually remember it being you guys who specifically you three because whenever I would ask for ride homes, because I lived a little bit closer to you guys than everyone else, yeah. it was always like like when Megan was able to drive, she was like, let's just go to your side of town. And, and, and you would drop me off and your mom, like your parents never made me feel bad for asking for a ride. Because it was like, oh yeah, it's still just Maplewood. We can just, it's a five minute drive, you know? And so I just, I don't know, it, it was... I feel like those things that built trust in our relationship very early on where I didn't have to, I didn't have to hide it because you guys, it wasn't an issue. I just had created it in my head, you know? Yeah. Yeah. At a certain point, people on your street when we were teenagers must have been sick of seeing that goddamn white Mini Cooper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I don't completely relate, but I also kind of relate in the way I felt like I definitely didn't want people or have people at my house for other reasons but yeah so just kind of like hiding i didn't i mean didn't have much to hide but yeah. i feel like i also didn't have many things yeah so i like didn't you know want to and also maria's was just so easy <laughs> like it was just yeah yeah if as, as it's coming clear to listeners, my house was the hangout spot for sure. Oh, yeah. Especially once my parents like relegated me and my sister to the basement. To the basement. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, you had the cool basement. Yeah. Yeah. At was... first it was really gross when we used to hang out down there when it was still like a concrete floor and then it got renovated and it yeah. was nice. Yeah. Yeah, you and like Megan's house. Yeah. And Joe. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Totally. But yeah, we digress. Should we continue? Okay, I don't know why you are so against International Day. Because we're people. Why do we need labels? I am wearing full Ukrainian down to my chibote, and am I complaining? Of course, I did make a little update. 
You're an inspiration, really. Please, all you have to wear are some cut-off shorts and bring in, like, roti or jerk chicken. I eat jerk chicken all the time, but why would I bring it? Well, it's Jamaican, isn't it? Jerk chicken? Totally. And you're Jamaican, aren't you? Right. Jamaican. Mine. <laughs> That's how you know she's not Jamaican, you know? Like... <laughs> Dondre's face right now could not be represented, even if we tried. But... <laughs> Girl, let's <laughs> change the topic. <laughs> oh man, yeah. So I wonder if she like one time lied and said she was Jamaican, and like Paige picked up on it, and then like because if Hazel almost like seemed like she forgot which lie she told or something, mm -hmm. like she's like, oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> whatever was the most convenient and palatable at the moment yeah so yeah we'll definitely appreciate your jamaican perspective on what we're about to see hazel do at international day <laughs> <laughs> all right so first she has to go get the food she's gonna bring if she's gonna do the whole ruse so watch that sweetness hey wayne if for your usual curried goat no for school I want to give my class a taste of the real Jamaica. Go for the good. You love it. I do, but I'm not sure they will. Uh, I was about some jerk chicken. That's pretty safe. Perfect. How much for like 50 people? Just to give them a taste. <laughs> Tell you what, since you're such a good customer, I'll give you a drink. Wow, thanks. What's this for? Um, I'm doing a project on Jamaica. Thought I'd go for the extra points. But you're not from the island. I know. It's for geography. I've always liked Jamaica. Hope to visit someday. Food. Decorations. I see an A-plus in your future. Oh, he's too nice. He's too nice. <laughs> also, every Jamaican has that poster in their house. <laughs> <laughs> I have two of those posters in my house as we speak. Amazing. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, they know how um, to show an authentic Jamaican person, clearly, at least. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That is true. Very interesting. I, I Also, I feel like Jamaica, it's like the most prized vacation spot for white people, plus the weed culture associated with it. So it makes sense why she would choose Jamaica versus like a Haiti or because I don't know if you guys remember, but like being Haitian growing up was like the worst. Like they got because yes. I remember the that poorest country. Like mm -hmm. the irony is that the Haitians got freedom first out of all of the islands, which is I'm like they were the first people to say no. But yeah, Haitians got a lot of flack. So it, it's it was very at that point in time with the 90s introducing a whole slew of artists like Beanie Man, like it was very comfortable and, and accessible Jamaica was. So it makes sense why she would choose Jamaica. Yeah, so we can go to actual International Day now that she's got her, you know, she's got all her cover to continue with the roof that she is Jamaican. Oh my God, girl. <laughs> Hazel was wearing like a Jamaica t-shirt you would have gotten on vacation. If you Literally had. from the hotel gift shop. <laughs> yes, exactly. And then she had braids in her hair with like, you know, like hair bands that were like the Jamaican flag colors and then like a beanie that was, you know, the Jamaican flag colors. It's just like very much what a tourist would look like coming back from Jamaica. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> this is excellent jerk chicken, Hazel. It's my mother's recipe. You know, oh. I live by the Crescent Moon Caribbean restaurant. Should give those guys a run for their money. 
Thanks. My mom's from Jamaica, so, you know, they all kind of learned in the same place. Yaman. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Citizens of the world. Oh my god. Okay. That's lunch. <laughs> Back in 45 minutes, we'll begin the presentations then. He's a Aden. So, you're Jamaican. What was your first clue? Just Aden, not really a common name. M maybe in Somalia. Really? And what's your last name? Oh, right. I don't care. Funny thing is, you sort of look Somalian too. Really? But why don't you mind your own business, Frieza, before Jamaica declares war in Iraq? <sighs> <laughs> She really said that. I. She said the entire country is going to. <laughs> you do not have the authority to do that, Hazel. Yeah, that scene with the teacher is so cringe, but like so understandable. Because in the sense that, like, when you're that age, you're so quick to want to explain things to people, aka white people, just to give them, I don't know, to make them feel comfortable. You know, mm -hmm. just, I hate that we had to do that, and I hate how with all of these type of cultural events it just feels like a buffet for white people and so she had to like package it in a certain way i just uh, i feel for her even though she's not yeah. jamaican I, st I still feel for her in terms of having to feel like i need something to present to to be able to give it to you to then exploit or do whatever you want to do with it so that you can feel better while i'm left feeling like shit but yeah and like you know choosing to be from jamaica as like a more palatable thing yeah. for yeah. the white people at the school because as you were saying it's a very popular place for white people to go and, and exploit yeah. in a different type of way yes. <laughs> exactly yeah and so yeah i also just like love that Faritza just kind of like goes for it she's just kind of like you look somalian and like it's kind of funny how your name also sounds somalian it's almost yeah. like you are like <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because I was actually going to ask, because I forgot if, like, she secretly knew that Hazel was Somalian or... I'm sure the name just gave it away. Yeah. You know, like, yeah I can I can see any Pierre or Dauphine, and I'm, like, Haitian, <laughs> you know? Or right. if someone has a last name, like, Stuart, or their name's Anthony, probably Jamaican. Like, there's just, I feel like names... Most Caribbean countries, they have, like, a, a classified group of names that they all just use <laughs> for all mm -hmm. of their kids. And so, I, you know, I feel like names very much give you away faster than the average American kid recognize. Hmm. Yep. Yeah. Like, it just seems like she's, like, aware of other Muslim countries, and she's like, uh, <laughs> you seem like you're one of us. <laughs> but yeah, so we're going to go to basically, uh, you know, that was lunch, casually telling someone that they're going to declare war on their country when there's, like, actually, like, conflict happening in that area of the world. It's like, that's a lot. Uh, but... <laughs> What were you thinking? <laughs> that was just a casual lunch for Hazel, apparently. So then everyone returns to International Day, and I'm just going to say it now before we even watch it because it's pretty visual. Somebody has, you know, defaced Faridza's display about Iraq. Whoa. police are here a hate crime has been committed here <laughs> by who we don't know 
but we're gonna find you're gonna get America's next Until top model international day is on hold yeah. all classes are on hold too but none of us did it are you sure yeah none of us are like that Terry so Terry you didn't make fun of Freeze's clothing the other day what about Call you Ashley I know you're upset just because Freeze is from Iraq doesn't make her a terrorist Ash people are scared I mean what do you expect spin you can't be serious you want to explain Jimmy my neighbor had his bank account frozen three times just because his name is Osama. Is that fair? Of course not. But what does that have to do with Freeze's display getting trashed? Girl, it's just some kid trying to get attention. <laughs> Come on, Sean, it's hate. Hate's an interesting word. It's like Hitler. He hated it's you. Gonna come on out. My great-grandparents died in the Holocaust. I guess she's from International Day. white. I'm Chinese. We're still a great family. I'm living proof that race doesn't matter. Look, no matter what we say in class, it doesn't change anything. Nice attitude. Okay, I don't want to be all racist, but I don't exactly want to get blown out of the sky by some terrorists either. I need to see Hazel in my office. Hazel, could you come here? What's going on? I don't know. But I spent the entire lunch with Paige and Jimmy. And your threat about Jamaica declaring war on Iraq? It was a joke. Really? It wasn't funny. Don't oh. blame being here on Fariza. Yeah. I wanted to know everything that went on, and everything pointed toward you. Okay, I'll admit, Fariza is not my favorite person, but I would never do that to her display. Yes, you do. Tell the police I'll be right there. The police have caught the culprits, it seems. Who are they? Two boys in grade 10. So, can I go now? What happened to Fariza's display was a large example of racism, but smaller things like words, that's where this stuff starts. Like your fashion crime ticket, accusing Fariza of being a terrorist. I'd like to apologize to you on behalf of the school and invite you to recreate your display in the foyer. Thank you. So that was an interesting montage of early 2000s racial nonsense. Mm -hmm. <laughs> also a typical class at Columbia High School. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god yeah there's always like that one white kid who's like not to be racist but insert racist thing yeah, not to be a devil's advocate but yeah. <laughs> Taylor's oldest time and then that's her name I forget what her name is but Spinner's sister who's like you know the one who was uh you know mixed race or mm. either that or she's adopted and by white people no, she's, can't tell which she's Spinner's adopted. Okay, sister. adopted. It was like, yeah. so in a, a mixed race family then. Um, <laughs> saying that race doesn't matter. I'm like, oh my God, that is like so much what people said in the early 2000s about race though. Like, oh my God. Also yeah. the ambitious outlier token who wants to distance themselves from it all. I'm not sure if you guys caught up on that, but just so the, 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 the token pick me who's like, well, it doesn't matter to me, you know, like in, oh, yeah. to make all the white people feel justified in their feelings feelings is just uh imperialism <laughs> it really plays so heavily when you're in school because it's just whatever the dominant culture is you come into it and you either are against it or you try to just join it so you can just you know it's it's hard yeah survive <laughs> yeah hey i guess it's cool like important that they take it seriously as a hate crime and like mm -hmm. make them talk about it and it's just also like you know it's just funny this is what like because like i think the grassy's made with like public funds in canada right like oh, yeah. so, uh, i'll cut it out if it's wrong <laughs> <laughs> uh, but like this is kind of like the educational like yeah. like how they're trying to be educational about race is just like very funny yeah <laughs>
Hey, it's Maria from the future here. So I looked it up and the truth is that Degrassi The Next Generation was partially but not wholly funded by the Canadian Television Fund, which was, according to Wikipedia, a non-profit corporation operating as a public-private partnership, which was financed by contributions from the Government of Canada through the Department of Canadian Heritage and the Canadian Cable and Direct-to-Home Satellite Industries. So basically... It was partially publicly funded, but not fully, is the truth. So we can go to now Hazel finally kind of has a reckoning with Ritva about, like, you know, the fact that, yes, she is Somalian and, like, why she's been lying and such. You don't have to help me. Don't you think I should? No. And I'd prefer if you didn't. Frieza, I know how hard it is to be Muslim, especially now. How? You're Jamaican, remember? My name? Aden? You said before it sounded Somalian. My name sounds Somalian because it is. That's what I am. I know. <laughs> At my last school, something happened to me. I got, I got cornered by these girls. One of them held me, the other hit me. Call me a terrorist. And you sure learned from them. Oh, I yeah. hate this. It's all just trauma responses. Yeah, that makes me very sad. Yeah, it's like just like so clear that Hazel was like, well, I guess I have to just pretend and hide and like make sure it's so clear that I'm not one of them by like even like going and doing what was done to me. Like, yeah. But like this that's real, me. you know? I feel like that's like good writing. Like that's I feel like that is like you said, like that is one of the many trauma responses you could have to that. Yeah, that was me in high school making fun of marching band gays when I myself was a gay. <laughs> 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 being very adamant and making sure that I would like a point them out. Didn't have to point them out if I if it wasn't that big of a deal to me, but right. point them out and make sure that I would say every nasty thing to be able to distance myself and not be associated. And the mm -hmm. irony was that I was telling them myself the whole entire time. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's just, I don't know. When you're young, you do what you can. I'm really hoping that kids don't have to do that anymore. You know, that I'm hoping with globalization and the way that Gen Z thinks, I'm hoping that kids do not really have to make themselves small, especially since I feel like we're in an identity society now where everyone is so, this is who I am. So I, mm. I really hope that this is a thing of the past going forward. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that's actually a really good transition into the, the conclusion of the plotline, which is Hazel sort of embracing her culture and figuring out how to be proud of it. And I think she sort of atones for what she did by putting herself out there. And I feel like, I mean, we'll, we'll see it in a second, but I think that Parisa kind of like gives Hazel a look that's sort of like, you know, kind of shows that like... She sees that Hazel has been on her own journey and she's, you know, gotten to where she is. Even I mean, maybe they'll never be they're never gonna be friends, but like I feel like there's an understanding between them. Yeah, exactly. Guys, settle. We're gonna start today a little differently. Hazel has something she wants to show us. Says the real me by Hazel again. I lied to you all yesterday. Some of you I've been lying to longer than that. So let me introduce myself. My name is Hazel Aden, and I was born in Mogadishu, Somalia. Not Jamaica. And yes, I'm a Muslim. These are my parents. My mom came here first with me to flee a civil war. My dad, who was fighting in the war, came later. Fariza wears that headscarf thing. How come you don't? 
It's a hijab, and I do when I go to mosque. But to take it on full time, it's a personal and important decision. Anyway, I'm sorry I lied. Unlike you guys, I was ashamed of who I am. But not anymore. That was good. Yeah. Who was doing yeah. it like man? That's amazing. <laughs> we are lucky as Americans to have even gotten to witness that. <laughs> I know. I'm like, that, you would never, ever, ever see that shit. What teen show was doing that at that point? Oh, no. We needed the Canadians to do it for us. The Americans were not up to the task. It's really beautiful that they, like, they could have ended it, I feel like, with her just coming clean to Fariza, and, like, that was it. They, come, they you know, make up or whatever, and then it's over. But I feel like actually forcing her... Exactly. Like, actually forcing her to, like, really be like, I... First of all, I lied. <laughs> Second of all, this is who I really am, like, yeah. to everyone. I feel like it's really powerful. Yeah. 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 Oh, and also just so big for a little seventh grader to, to just... Well, I think she's a ninth grader, but still, I mean, I, yeah. still, I think that... Freshman year is hard. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Wow. Yeah. I'm proud of Hazel. Me too. Yeah. And, and it's also like good representation that they had like one, you know, Muslim girl at the school who chooses to wear hijab. And then like, just because Hazel's like, oh, I'm going to like, you know, embrace my Muslim identity. It doesn't necessarily mean that she's going to start wearing hijab. And like, she doesn't the whole time. So like, mm -hmm. there's multiple ways to be Muslim. Everyone does what's authentic to them. Yeah. I love that. But yeah. So any other final thoughts on the Hazel plotline? Just the fact that they were doing this while like, you know, everything was happening with American propaganda about the war on terrorism and like, like, you know, attacks were going up all over the U.S. and apparently also all over Canada was, I think that's just such a statement for them to have made. And, and a POV that probably was, America wasn't even considering because it was the, the boys club pretty much with the propaganda. It was the blue eyed and the blonde hair, like, let's get back to the old way. Mm -hmm. But America at that point was not as we are now, but like immigrants were everywhere. <laughs> like the country was immigrants. And so, yeah, it, this is refreshing to see that it's from an immigrant's perspective who has it much harder and has to still go on in America after all of this and reconciling that for them. I don't think that was a POV that I really saw anywhere. Yeah, and it's I think it's just really daring for the show to do that or like, you know, choose that as their like view at that point. Mm -hmm. You know, like putting that out there because, you know, if that was something here in the United States, they would have gotten, you know, so Especially much. if it was publicly so funded, like... I'm imagining what the, because for those who don't know, with, with the writer's rooms, usually you'll create an outline for the episode before you actually write it. And then you pitch it to the studio and the network and you have to like take their notes pretty much um, mm -hmm. and then incorporate it and rewrite it. So I, I'm like, in America, they would have been like, yeah, our audience doesn't do that. Our audience isn't looking for that. And I think the really cool thing about being an artist is that you sometimes have to give your audience what they don't know that they need, you know? And it, it wasn't enough just to be like, let's get back to the good old American way, there are new types of Americans in our country now. And, you know, and I think just how I'm not Muslim, but I even just feel empowered just watching that, you know, just in terms of like that was a pivotal point in being like, yes, this war has happened. Yes, all these things have happened, but that doesn't change how I feel about my heritage and who I am and my pride with that. So 
don't know, really, really amazing. So that's like the main hateful plotline. Again, as we've said, it, there should be more. It's sad that there isn't more. During everything that happened in 2020, I feel like there was also a big reckoning with like, especially like, I, like the one that I'm thinking of in particular was like a bunch of the black CW actresses like being like, mm -hmm. sometimes we have to do our own hair be, and our own makeup because like they literally don't employ people who know how to do black hair and like shit like that. I just feel like this feels like Hazel or the actor who played Hazel like 100% has one of those stories to tell because it just doesn't oh, feel sure. like her yeah. character was given equal weight in any way. <laughs> well, I'm sure this was seen as the Muslim episode. <laughs> you know, like Hollywood loves to refer to things. Oh, let's do a black episode. Like, and, yeah. and then we've done it. We've neatly tied the bow and then we just move back to the main focus of the show, you know? Yeah. And I think like after I was done watching the show and I was like looking up all the characters and what they're doing now and stuff, I like looked at the person who plays Hazel's page and I think I remember her, I could be just totally making this up in my head, but I think she did like talk about how her character was really like, you know, that token black Yeah, I feel like 2021, 2020, every black character from every childhood show was like, yeah. yep, me too. Yep. That was me. Yep. Yeah. 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 Well, I'll have to look for that. And if it exists, we can put it in the show notes. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. yeah. 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 So justice for Hazel. It's definitely our position as a podcast. <laughs> so now we're going to get toward the, the end of what we're talking about today. So which is we're going to be talking about the very early 2000s you know buzzword issue of gml foods which oh i'm kind of curious rosalie if your family had like opinions about gmo foods back in the day because i feel like oh, y'all yes. were yeah um, okay absolutely <laughs> <laughs> so that's gonna that's gonna definitely play a role i figured that you would give us a nice perspective on that so as far back as the 10th episode of the second season ashley has a petition against genetically modified foods that she wants craig to find and then that's dropped and brought up again in this episode we're gonna watch where emma is taking it on as her like big issue so i'm gonna be honest that i was never deeply knowledgeable about this issue at all like i remember people protesting like monsanto specifically but like i don't really think that it was something that i was particularly aware of at the time i'm assuming my parents didn't have particularly you know big views in either direction on the issue if i didn't know anything about it but i you know did some research before we started this and i was just like wow like this has been a thing since like the late 90s and it's been like a hot button issue and i read a 2015 article from the washington post where they talked with a agricultural economist who's been like studying everything to do with GMOs from like the beginning of everything till now. And he was basically saying that right as of last fall, so like this would have been like 2014, nearly 60% of Americans believe that GMOs were generally unsafe. And back in 2000, the population was evenly split, which is interesting. And I was like, I feel like I would have been in the category that didn't know what the fuck the issue was. So basically, like Americans are growing wearier of GMOs, as this article said, but the scientific community is moving in the opposite direction and there is now near unanimity among scientists that gmos are safe to eat so oh. i don't even know yeah i i didn't know any of this <laughs> this is just what i well, uh, they might be safe to eat but it doesn't mean they're not harmful to your body like yeah. you know like i i that just makes me upset because it's like it's the same thing i feel like with the new variant of of covid it's like they're like oh it's mild 
mild, don't worry. Like it's mild. You guys can all go back to work. You can go do this and that. But like we're seeing the most hospitalizations as we ever yeah. have. You know, yeah. like oh, but don't worry, it's mild. And I it's feel like, like America is very, they're very reactive. So if they can like reframe narratives that you know. We can get away with it today, but like once, like 30, 40 years from now, we may have an issue. If we can basically stabilize people's opinions and thoughts about it today, then fuck tomorrow and we'll cross that bridge when we get there, you know? Right. Which I'm like, we cannot do that. We've been doing that forever. Look where it's gotten us. <laughs> True. Yeah, I didn't realize that like it was such a big like thing. Like apparently in Britain, like green thief activists like risk jail to like destroy GMO crops and shit back in the early 2000s. I, it's been an issue for a long time, but it feels like it seems like it was more in like the the public vernacular in the early 2000s. And so this is again a time where I feel like when they picked what issue Emma was going to be like, you know, all activisty about, they definitely went for something that was like super relevant and yeah. that teenagers probably did have opinions about at the time. This is going to be the last plot one that we talk about and it's really Emma like really running the gamut of all the different ways that you can kind of end up being an activist at high school where she kind of starts by trying to go through the, the legal bureaucratic administrative you know channels of making change and then when that doesn't work slowly becomes more radical and direct you know that's kind of how it goes so <laughs> I appreciate it. Ms. Nelson how do you propose to get genetically modified foods <laughs> out of the calf? Well Mr. Radich we can start by looking at organic food suppliers. Organic food in the cafeteria. <laughs> What's next? Fresh mountain spring water in the water fountains? Archie, be serious. <laughs> I'm sorry, Em, but how many more times are we going to do this mock debate? Until I'm ready for the big meeting. Second period tomorrow. You're more than ready for Radich. You're ready to take on the UN. What's that? It's for our presentation to Radich. Uh-oh. Emma's on the war path, better head for the hills. <laughs> You guys should be proud of Beth. She's Degrassi's very own Joan of Arc. Uh, Joan of Arc was a lunatic who took orders from a burning bush. But Joan was also brave and strong and an inspiration to women everywhere. Just like her Emma. Thanks, Aww. guys, but I know Joan of Arc. I'm just following my conscience. I could she chose to wear that plaid hat on the day of this presentation. <laughs> <laughs> I love Emma and Manny's friendship. It's so pure and cute. Ride or die. I know that happy yeah i don't i don't remember i know they have ups and downs asked of any teen girl friendship in any of these types of shows but like i i feel like in the end and in real life i feel like uh, in, i feel like they're pretty they're close in real life yeah well no like i feel like yeah yeah i feel like it's kind of true to some high school experiences ups yeah. and downs yeah. oh yeah 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 totally like their relationship totally Okay, cool. So now we're just going to go to Emma and she's with Ashley, which is why I like mentioned the petition that Ashley had had already. So I guess they're like kind of teaming up along with one other character who I didn't recognize as ever having been named. And they're all in a meeting with Mr. Radish, basically proposing that they remove the GMO foods from the cafeteria. We know it's unrealistic to expect all GM foods out of the calf. But a number of companies do sell non-genetically modified foods. We can order as much food from them as possible. And double and triple the cost. Mr. Radich, try one of these. Tomatoes. Genetically modified tomatoes, like Sheila uses in the calf. It's perfectly fine. Yeah, and you can hardly even taste the scorpion. Can you? They add scorpion DNA to make them resistant to pests. Of course, nobody knows what eating scorpion DNA will do to us. You're right. 
not as disturbing. <laughs> but it's also speculation. I've done some research on GM foods, and I know they haven't proven to be harmful. Or harmless. Making crops resistant to drought and disease might be worth the risk. Thanks for all your hard work and for bringing this to my attention. But with the cutbacks, we're lucky to even have a cafeteria. I'm sorry. Yeah, once again, I feel like Emma's issues, like, always end up coming up against, like, the very real reality of, like, public school funding and, like, needing to provide, like, food for the people who are less privileged than Emma, um, which is creates, like, sort of an interesting like dynamic I feel like but it does seem like it kind of reflects what the actual conversation about genetically modified foods at the time was was because a lot of the people who were pushing back were saying like oh well we're going to be able to find a way to like feed so many people who are hungry using this technology and so it just feel very much like it was kind of like a microcosm way that the issue was being like both sides were being represented Um, I do have to say, after watching all of these clips, Degrassi does a really good job at taking public opinion and putting it on certain characters Mm -hmm. so that everyone can really just hash it out so that you really like everyone's opinion on this topic nationally is heard some way between these characters, which is A plus writing. But I just love the way that they do that because it really feels like things you hear. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's kind of, it's like very idealistic and like cute that she thought that like her meeting was actually going to like go well. Like, I I mean, I'm saying that as like a very jaded. 20 something of course you know but like i i love the idealism of youth you know it's like yeah. uh, she really thought that something was going to happen there you know and then she realizes that she's going to have to either give up because she's you know taken the 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 official route that she has to take mm-hmm. um or she can you know go unofficial and go rogue with it which is you know in my opinion always the best way to go you know so um but it it does actually like also make me happy as far as the good writing of like protest movement because like the way that like you should run a campaign is like at the beginning you like you go and you ask permission like you actually try so you can say later on when you start making trouble like well we went to you and we asked and we were very polite (laughs) and you said no so now we just we have to do something bigger than that and then you just keep doing that until you're now you're at your highest escalation thing which could be you know like a sit-in which i don't think actually happens here but it feels like emma would do that like mm-hmm. <laughs> she yeah. like would do that and i'm pretty um, sure she does something like that like later on but for a completely okay, cool. different <laughs> I'm. I hope so. I'm like. I'm looking forward to you know continuing to watch Degrassi and seeing what I forgot about. That's like you know there. I'm sure there will be stuff. Yeah. There's a lot of like underlying. Yeah. Like you see it and you're like, oh my god, that just like took a memory from two decades ago. <laughs> like brought to the forefront, but. So Emma has to step it up, and she's not giving up the fight. So we're going to watch the next clip. You don't like the food in the calf, then just don't eat it. That's not it. I want people to know what they're eating. That, like, the apples they sell in the calf might have fish DNA in them. The apples got fish stuff in them? Man, that's messed up. That's what I mean. I don't know. I'm, I don't usually care about this kind of stuff, but I don't know. It seems like you got something important to say. I think I do. Well, then... Don't back down. Don't let Raditz shut you up. Okay, that is that is good boyfriend vibes for sure. Like telling her to continue speaking her mind. He has learned. <laughs> yeah, I also thought she still gets to get the guy. You know, <laughs> like that's all this protest love. She can, you know, she can still be a teenager and have someone who supports her. You know. Yeah. 
really cute. I feel like my activism made me very unattractive to boys in high school, so I did I not mean, have that experience. You have the best slew of men to choose from. <laughs> yeah, I was kind of like, are you really mad? <laughs> no, now I don't give a shit, but at the time it meant everything to me, of course. Of course. Yeah, no, I don't give a shit now. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I also thought it was interesting how like that conversation between Emma and Sean, like again, really reflected what was actually being said at the time about the issue. When he's like, oh, just don't eat it, you know, like what, like why does it matter? And Emma's like, I just want people to know what they're eating. It's like her like main line. And like, I found an article from 2000 where there was like a protest outside of the Heinz Convention Center in Boston, actually, at like a biotech, you know, convention. People were protesting outside. They were chanting like, life is not for sale and label it now and there's one protester that's quoted in the article who's actually from ottawa canada who says the whole point of this is to say that we need more information about what's going on in our food we should have access to this information not just for people in that building and i just feel very much like what emma is basically saying like we just want to like want people to know and be informed about what's in their food so again like what we were saying i just think this writer's room did a really good job of reflecting like what was actually happening and like with every side it just feels like it was very accurately represented like what each side would be saying yeah um, they do a good job of just presenting opinion and not really saying what's right or wrong but like they just present it which is chef's kiss yeah i'm curious what people who actually like cared about this issue would have thought about this episode at the time but yeah but it's still through a kid's lens you know so it's like it's i think that gives them the freedom to to not be perfect with it because it's just a child understanding you know yeah Totally. Yeah, I mean, it's like a double-edged sword to me because it's like, yeah, kids need to eat. Kids need, like, at least now, like, they're doing free breakfast for, you know, students across the city. And I see what's in those breakfasts and, like, they're not the greatest. Like, they're not quality ingredients and stuff. But, it, but then it's like, yeah, but you know otherwise these kids wouldn't have access to breakfast which you need to be a student to succeed in school you know like you need to eat to succeed so it's just like i think it's so important to get people fed most importantly but then it's like to a point we're putting poison into young children too like i don't know it's just yeah. problematic it's like just giving them something that's worth nothing or actually being critical of what you know right. you're being given to people so right and then at the end of the day the overall issue is that like structurally like kids don't have access to good quality food like that is a structural yeah. issue obviously at the end of the day and so i just think yeah it's definitely interesting how emma is definitely coming up against structural issues and she's obviously way too young to like have that analysis that that's what she's doing and but she she really does like take it to heart that she should you know take her little corner of the universe and try to make a change in it and i do like that they have her picking like very like reasonable targets in a way where she's like mm -hmm. talking about her school and her school cafeteria right. she's not talking about something larger like in the last episode i did with which is going to be the episode that comes before this one rory gilmore and paris geller are like trying to like get a petition get like prison political prisoners like out of burma and it's mm -hmm. like y'all have no sway there like <laughs> whereas like emma's smart enough to be picking like a target where she has like an actual like you know voice she's part of the community like she has a stake and it's um, much more sustainable it's much more feasible for her to do change locally than take on this big you know 
because you just get further when you do change within your sphere. Yep, exactly. So we're going to see Emma is, you know, taking Sean's words not to be quiet about this to heart, and she is going to start flying outside the school. If you care about the food you eat, don't eat at the cafeteria. If you care about the food you eat, don't eat at the cafeteria. If you care about the food you eat, don't eat at the cafeteria. If you care about the food you eat, don't eat at the cafeteria. If you care about the food you eat, don't eat at the cafeteria. Sheila's trying to poison us. Bob, I wouldn't expect you to be on the GM food side, Ellie. Didn't say that I was, but if it means kids can afford lunch. Yeah, and cancer 20 years from now. If I was starving to death in the third world, I'd rather die of cancer in the future than not have a future at all. May I have that, Ms. Nash? Um, I'm just trying to inform people. School grounds are my jurisdiction. I make the rules. And spreading propaganda is unacceptable. <laughs> just another day being an activist. <laughs> <laughs> oh man she's been censored but yeah. also i love that they always give no one gets to be the perfect heroine on this show you know there's always yeah. someone who's right. like which is, i think now more clear than ever because everyone has an opposing opinion to everyone's opinion but it's like <laughs> there's always another side to it and she never just gets to just be the perfect heroine which keeps her grounded you know right. and it's, it's good to have feedback coming from everyone even when you don't want to hear it and even when it threatens your your good natured intent yeah and i appreciate ellie coming in there and being like you know bringing in like class consciousness a little bit and like mm -hmm. we'd rather be fed than and have like some of a future than starve and not but yeah. it's bad either way because yeah. <laughs> if yeah. you live long enough and after eating all that food and then you have cancer, the government still won't do anything to help you out. <laughs> so I mean, in Canada, just, at least they have free health care, but yeah. At least, yes. But, <laughs> but yes, but yes. For us um, over here, doomed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like you're left on your own, like on your good own. riddance. Yeah, I, I like, I love Ellie. She's definitely one of my favorite characters and I appreciated that she was like kind of the representative of somebody else who's informed about the issue clearly because like she clearly like knew like that that other side of it and like she was talking about the third world and like i know that's like a big was a big part of it was the idea of like feeding people like in other countries where like there's a lot of hunger i actually was thinking about how rosie did the omicron comparison earlier because mm. you know i don't know if you guys have seen on twitter that joke that people with long-term covid they're gonna be like having those calls 20 years from now where it's like if you had long-term covid and have not been properly compensated and i'm like so it's like it's the same thing where it's like either you you know get the vaccine and you get boosted today and you're good for today but you know even if you have the vaccine and you still catch long-term covid there's nothing in the infrastructure that is going to account and take care for you you know and yeah. it's just it's this damned if you do damned if you don't catch 22 that is just i hate that it gets put on the normal everyday people to make these decisions but that's just that's just how it goes you know and i just i don't know just i feel like every decade we get some sort of societal issue that we're all debating about and fighting over but the underlying themes are always the same that it, the responsibility and the burden will fall on the people who have absolutely nothing to do with it you know right the individualist like way that both parties have dealt with covid is like just so disappointing like it's just so disappointing this is all that the democrats are going to do yeah. like tell people to get vaccinated 
vaccinated and tell them to Google. The Google. Like, when there's literally fake COVID tests literally everywhere. Like, oh my God, I just, I'm like, I don't even know if I can trust Google anymore. Cause I'm like, I feel like you everything, can. everything is a scam in some degree. I'm like, I don't know if y'all been getting those random texts from random numbers and they'll like, what they do for me since I'm in California, if I'm texting someone from New Jersey, all I'll get these spam calls that are all from New Jersey oh, or New Jersey yeah. areas. And I'm like, public information is not disseminated in a way that's even trustworthy <laughs> you know and so it's just like google like what i don't trust that shit at this point like yeah there's just so much lack of care yeah. and like you know going back to the school thing it's like parents are being punished and like you know cps is being called because they don't want to send their children to these cesspools of a fucking covid environment like i would like it's just insane teachers are being told to come in even if they're testing positive right <laughs> because they don't want to be short staff but i'm like how is that sustainable how is making these you know quick situations and dire circumstances how is that going to be sustainable to what we have to deal with 20 years from now you know it's just yeah and like and my 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 grad school is going back to in-person classes next month and there's no flexibility on that and they make that very clear and oh, they're like, boy. research has shown that our students learn better in person and it's like yeah but research has also shown that we do better when we're alive when our family members aren't in danger when you know society isn't crumbling right before our eyes yeah <laughs> so like i think having online classes is like the least of our worries right now yeah just also, in my we could provide people with options i think that this is really like a clean slate for so many of us and in typical u.s fashion they're pushing this one size fit all and i'm like we are so beyond that you have to give yeah. people like we've had two years of experimenting with the time that for so many years, we've been told things would never be that way, you know? And so I'm like, now that we've seen and the veil's been lifted, you cannot just tell us to close our eyes. Like, people have found new ways of existing. It's just... Uh, it Degrassi is how it is. Know. Degrassi didn't know. I, I, I would be very, very interested to see if they do something in regards to, like, hybrid learning. Oh, true. That could be so cool. I like, know. I, they need to hire me for that room. Here's a plug. Yeah. <laughs> hire hire Don Gray. <laughs> HBO Max 2023, let's do it. I mean, it would be, they're very good at speaking to them now. So it would only mm -hmm. make sense that they do that if they're coming back. And, but I, yeah, I, mean, like, I really, really hope they try to come back in a way that it's very truthful to the brand of Degrassi and it isn't just mm -hmm. like, let's do another Euphoria because, like, we already have Euphoria. We're all memeing on it. We're all watching it. We don't need another one. Yeah. <laughs> and also, I think that it has to do something different than what euphoria does because euphoria is not there to educate you it's like oh, euphoria no. is for people who are going to do it regardless you know and i think we need that because i think you know degrassi is great but it has its limits in terms of like they're not going to go all the way there but euphoria does and so i think it's a good balance for a brand like hbo to have both you know and to yeah. have yeah. the kids who are going to do it either way and the kids who may be on the verge of doing certain things you know and so yeah I, I do kind of hope they keep the more kid-friendly sense of it because even, yeah. even though it's not completely kid-friendly i think it definitely makes situations way more well they're more realistic and they're more digestible and i mm -hmm. kind of hope they keep that i feel like kids now are so jaded <laughs> 
Yeah. And like, <laughs> you know, yeah. I w- watching this now so much of Degrassi feels like a PSA, but yeah. I, I still think that kids who are kids need consumable TV that does kind of incorporate some PSA elements, you know, because as fun and exciting as Euphoria is, it doesn't always give you a, a bottom line or like a, a message, you know, it's no. just like life sucks. <laughs> and I'm like, yes, it does suck. We do need this, but like we have to have some sort of, of hope in our media still so that like, I don't know, these kids can't be raised in this much of a jaded mentality. They're going to carry so much on their backs. They have to have so, some sort of hope to be able to still be yeah. our age one day, you know, because yeah. I'm like, we're really jaded for our age. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. No. Yeah. I'm like, I can only imagine what kids who, so he just... who didn't have their prom, who didn't get to say goodbye to friends before they went to college, who ended up not having to be able to go to college because of all of this stuff that's happened. Like, they're going to need some sort of media that gives them hope. <laughs> and yeah. so I feel like Grassley really does a good job of presenting issues, but like presenting realistic hope, because hope is really more than anything else, the most sustainable thing that you can have being an American. Like, not a universal hope, but like individual what can i do to even get out of bed today you know and i just think that is so important for kids who are not being able to be kids right now totally i think degrassi will hopefully help us hopefully make it through Oh, yeah. Yeah. Until you said they're saying that, Andre, I didn't even think about it. But I feel like another show that's kind of filling that void a little bit is The Babysitter's Club, which we talked about last season, because they have age appropriate, like middle school age actors playing middle schoolers. And, you know, they've they definitely have like the activist girl who like, you know, Dawn in the show who like, you know, is speaking her mind no matter what. And it's just like, it's, you know, it's a show that gives you hope. Like, so I really hope that more, you know, we need, we, like you said, we need both. Like, I'm all here for the gritty shit. I'm going to watch it, you know? Grew up, we grew up on Skins. It's not just we grew up on Degrassi, you know? Yeah. But, like, we need both. Yeah. We need both. <laughs> yeah, we need a really well-balanced approach at being a teenager. Okay, so we're going to go now to Emma has had her flyers taken away. And uh, what is she going to do next? <laughs> Took them away. After he went, blah, 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 jurisdiction, propaganda, blah, blah, blah. So what are you going to do? now i don't know i guess i'll just give up he wins at least you got some kids thinking about it right hi class settle down time for the morning announcements first up a very special announcement live from the cafeteria take it away sheila Good morning, one and all, and welcome to the Degrassi Cafeteria, purveyors of fine food since 1999. (laughs) Some people have been questioning the quality of my food of late. Really, Sheila? But why? I just don't know, for I use only the finest of ingredients. And look what I have to offer. We have hot lunch specials every day for just $3.99. And Sheila Sauce? is always free for my cafeteria kids come first don't you deserve the best why did you accuse me of spreading propaganda what was that you know what i just said about giving up i lied (laughs) 
she is so dramatic. <laughs> that was her call to action. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And yeah, but also at the other time, you can like definitely see the perspective of like, Sheila doesn't have the fucking power to decide what her ingredients are, you know? Like, she's being slandered. Yeah. And it's like, she's not the one trying to poison you. Yeah, no, she's definitely just a worker working up what she got. <laughs> so that, I think there is a little bit of misplaced anger at Sheila in this. I'm going to, you know, kids and misplaced anger go hand in hand. So, another example of how the people on the bottom are just left to fight it out when it has nothing to do with them exactly <laughs> i mean for sheila that's that job is probably her pride and joy to be able to yeah. you know, to give food to kids and you know but like emma's stance is a threat to that ego for sheila you know totally yeah emma's gonna take some action jt can i have your autograph toby your jealousy bores me jt what were you thinking oh, and toby what are you doing she's wearing a no gm food shirt <laughs> buying this toxic junk? Hey, watch it. That's slander. Well, so was your commercial. Look at these fries. The potatoes were probably created in some laboratory. Give me back my lunch. (laughs) (laughs) Better get one. Okay, someone is not making it out of here alive. You're suspended for the rest of the day. But I didn't throw anything. You started it by all accounts. First the flyers, and then all this going. So that's what this is about? You're punishing me for protesting? (laughs) If you're calling my mom, she's away to Styles Convention. Then I'll release you to your stepfather. Fine. Archie, Mr. Simpson will support me 100%. Classic teen drama trope of the food fight, of course. Elevated with a social background to exactly. give it a real punch. <laughs> yeah. And I also love how this is not even the first time that Emma has like accidentally like done something like that. Like the fact that she accidentally started a rumor like earlier in season one, like she accidentally starts a food fight. Like so it's gotten to the point now where it also feels a hundred percent and I think Emma points this out and it's true, is that Mr. Radish is just like was totally looking for a reason to get her in trouble after the flyers. So yeah. the fact that he was able to point it that Emma started the food fight, he's like, All right, great, I'm gonna suspend you. You're gonna shut the fuck up about GMOs for a while. I won't have to deal with that. Like, <laughs> also his arc from I understand. I thank you for bringing this to my attention. To now I'm gonna demonize you for bringing it to my attention. Like it's just it's very administrative, condescending. I'm the boss. You know, just I hated the way they used to talk to us in school. It's just oh my god. I know I'm getting like I'm very feeling some shit right now. <laughs> I'm just remembering this letter I wrote to the administration and they passed it around to everyone. And the only person in the administration who talked to me about it was Mr. And he called me into his office because I like specifically called him out in the letter. And he did, all he wanted to do is tell me he didn't remember him doing that to me. And I was like, yeah, because you're the adult who traumatized me and it doesn't matter to you. And I'm the one that's traumatized. So of course I'm going to remember it. You're not going to remember it because it doesn't matter to you. Yeah. Matter yeah, to you. Exactly. So now Emma has been sent home. She has been suspended. You know, she's like a political prisoner of, of, of ways, you know. <laughs> in a in a sense, she doesn't think that her sentence is just, and she's gonna make sure that that's known. Emma, but why aren't you at home? Mr. Reddish suspended you. Yes, he did. 
And I think it's wrong. What are you doing? I'm waiting for you to continue your lesson. Well, you're gonna have to wait till tomorrow. You're suspended. Why, for speaking my mind? It's called freedom of speech, and I have a right to an education. It's called a food fight. I didn't start it, intentionally. Let's have a talk in private. Good girl gone so bad. <laughs> what is this really about? Are you testing me? It's not you, it's Radich. And since you're my new dad, I thought you'd support me. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Emma, you're suspended. You have to go home now. Emma, then, if like, all right, guess I'm gonna be all right off school grounds protesting. So <laughs> that is where we find her next. And everyone is like, I'm sorry, I, definitely like the, the spirit of everyone being like, oh my God, why are you making such a stink? Definitely is how I felt when <laughs> the little types of activism I tried to do in high school had backlash. So I felt that here. <laughs> really has gone insane. So you don't mind answering a few questions for the grapevine? Not at all. Principal Radich suspended you. He blamed me for the food fight, for my protests over GM foods. We know your position. You're against GM foods. This isn't about that anymore. And what is it about? It's about freedom of speech. It's about my right to protest. This interview is over, Ellie. You about done here, Miss Nelson? I'm not on school property, and I'm not leaving until my voice is heard. Oh, your voice will be heard. That sounds like a threat, sir. It's a suggestion. You either apologize for all this on tomorrow morning's video announcements, or you get a one-week suspension. So there you go. This is definitely like Emma is being made an example of, for sure. Her sign, by the way, said, like, silenced by administration. No freedom. <laughs> <laughs> but I do love that she takes it from being about GMO foods to being like, no, it's not even about that anymore. And it's just about the fact that we should be like allowed to protest. And like, you know, it feels like she's definitely like taking a stand for like the activists who would come after her. You know, it's just like the principle of the matter. Yeah, I'm I'm like really relating to her in this episode just because of like. I remember, well, like when I, I don't know if you guys remember when I walked out of school that one day, but I got an eight hour Saturday detention because of that. And I remember I sat that whole eight hour detention reading my full frontal feminism book by Jessica Valenti, which I wouldn't really read now, but you know, I that just, was where we were at at the time. That's where we were at. Entry point. <laughs> and uh so i'm like feeling very proud of her but also like feeling it in my stomach of like re reliving these very you know real memories of how much the administration like criminalized us when we were teens just trying to be teens and understand the world and all that stuff i'm hoping as we get older and more people our age become teachers like yourself rosalie that you know they're all of this will be a thing of the past. I really just, I don't know. There's going to have to be some reconciliation about the way that we treat people who are going to be expected to live in a burning world. <laughs> yeah. You know, like they, they, totally. they know what's going on. They have a right to know what's going on. And we're going to have to reconcile that and, you know, and, and create space for them to voice in on this. So totally. And yeah, and it's very real that sometimes when you try to make your voice heard and your opinion is unpopular with the people in power, that you suffer real consequences. So we're going to go now to Emma trying to decide what to do. Like, does she take the one-week suspension or does she, you know, eat her, her principles and sort of just, you know, apologize? So... May as well get it over with. Get what over with? 
the yelling, the speech, the you're in serious trouble talk. I think you probably heard enough speeches today. Did you hear Mr. Radich? I either apologize on tomorrow's announcements or I get suspended. Ah. I can't. I can't apologize for doing something I believe in. Emma, there are hills to die on. Are you sure this is one of them? You and mom have a baby on the way. My little brother or sister. Aren't you worried? Do you really want them eating this weird Frankenstein food? We don't even know if it's harmful. We don't know if it's safe. And I'm scared to take that chance. No, it's a part of your family. I totally support you, but as your teacher. You're stuck. Yeah, I'm stuck. So, I think you're gonna have to make this decision on your own. So, Thanks, um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, I guess it is true. Like, no one can really make that decision for her. That's like, a, that's very much of like the crossroads of trying to decide how you're going to live your life. Like, if you're going to live it by your principles and take the consequences, or if you're going to, you know, be like, you know what, it's not worth it. Like, I'll right. get them next time, which I think either one are, are equally valid because she's a fucking teenage right. girl. <laughs> <laughs> and I really appreciate like the parental support in that situation. Mm -hmm. That is so important. Yeah, I'm going back again because this is just really triggering this memory for me. <laughs> when I walked out of high school because I was I didn't agree with a rule, and then I was called ridiculous and a child, and I whatever got mad and then left the school. And my you know my mom was initially really pissed at me because she had to come and pick me up, and you know, and the dean was running after me and like all this stuff, but in the end she got over it and she was really proud of me and like was like you you know she really supported me i mean she was angry at first but like i feel like because of her support in that situation i was able to like grow into who i am trying to be i guess or like uh, you know having that support at home and is... also what a missed opportunity from administration you know i'm like to see if we could reframe the way that we have conversations about, you know, people who disturb the peace, especially since a lot of our administration was black women. I'm mm -hmm. like, it shouldn't be that hard for y'all to recognize when something is wrong and to, you know, to not want to nurture that and at least give it some validity and say, you know what, what you're doing is good and it has good intention, but there are just different forces in the world that, you know, like it, it could have been a conversation, but it was just immediately, you're ridiculous, something's wrong with you, you know, it's just, there's yeah. ways to find middle grounds in these conversations because they're never just totally black or white, you know, and yeah. I just... I feel like administration, even in Degrassi with the principal, like it just could have been a conversation and it could have been an opportunity to find another way to address it. Even if you couldn't directly, you know, stop GMOs from being a thing, it could have led to something else that could have been useful. And I just feel like administration and schools just miss that opportunity because they're just like rambunctious kids with these uh, out of the world opinions, you know? Right. So we're going to see what Emma decided to do as our last scene Ooh, let's see very good emma i'm glad we straightened this out thank you sir it's her flips <laughs> we begin our morning announcements with a word from emma nelson fellow students staff and faculty i've been asked here this morning to apologize to you and to mr radich but i can't i can't apologize for wanting to be heard i'm sorry the food fight happened and for making a mess in sheila's cafeteria but other than that I feel I did nothing wrong yesterday. You can agree or disagree with me about GM foods. That's not the point. The point is, I have a right to express my opinion, and you have a right to be informed. If fighting for that will get me a week's suspension, then 
I can live with that. Hey. Okay. Um, turning to sports. Guess I'm going home now, huh? Yes, you are. Dun, dun, dun. And then it pauses on her face, and it's the end. <laughs> <laughs> I love Emma. Yeah. Oh, Imagine being lady. a grown-ass principal feeling that threatened by a teenage. Like, you are in the wrong field, sir. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, you are that taken by a high schooler's opinion. I know. There are yeah. so many people in, like, schools that, like, hate children. The last people mm-hmm. who could be teaching Why children. Why you choose this as your career if you hate kids this much and you want right. to see them suffer like because we don't live in a society where people choose careers off of passion <laughs> they just choose it yeah. out of convenience <laughs> so true so true Ugh. i mean with these teacher wages i just don't get it i'm like <laughs> yeah <laughs> like what other reason are you here what's the reward <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah. I think that it just, like, underscores even more, like, how fucked up and how Emma's in the right. Because it's, like, the fact that you really are that intimidated by the idea of kids thinking they can, like, protest and speak their mind. It's, like, yeah. Like, doesn't look good on you. Like, it makes... It makes it seem like you have something to hide or like, you you know, you think there are things that can be protested that are that like kids should be protesting and you're like, I want none of that. <laughs> also, I just don't understand it. Cause I know this is in um, Canada, but I'm like that generation. I'm like, y'all were protesting Nixon. Like, it, I, I just like how quickly mm-hmm. they forget that everyone had something to be upset about in their youth. I just, why is there not a bridge that connects? <laughs> it's all connected. I just don't see how people don't realize that. Yeah, yeah. totally. So I mean- of adulthood, you just lose. Uh, <laughs> I don't uh, want to though. I don't know. I, I don't think know. that, I think that obviously that whole like thing, like you get cons- more conservative when you get older, like mm-hmm. doesn't really apply to our generation because like, I think you had to have gained more wealth for that to be <laughs> To be able to distance I, yourself I from I think it. that back in certain generations, people gained more wealth than the people who came before them. And so then they got like more conservative as they got older. And it's just like, that's not happening anymore. Not happening. <laughs> it's actually the reverse. They, I've read this yeah. article that said that we're the first generation that are incorporating childhood into our adulthood way more than any other generation in terms of like the way buildings look in terms of the way that we still dress like we're very much <laughs> gonna still be children forever and i'm like well hey that's good because we so many adults are just so i don't know what the hell they're doing quite frankly but i don't know i think we're gonna be the generation that really embraces and nurtures our inner children forever so I hope so. That for us. <laughs> I yeah, mean, I mean, we have we don't have houses to distract us from it. <laughs> right. We don't, exactly. We don't have all this wealth to you know busy our time with. <laughs> so that was our first Degrassi episode. I I really just feel like Degrassi like lets kids be their like full political selves in ways that feel really organic. And I I'm glad that we were able to end it on such a triumphant moment for Emma, where she you know just sticks to her principles and takes the ten the one week suspension and really just like stands up to the principal. Like she's just like, guess I'm going home now. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad that we were able to, I mean, between like Hazel and Emma, we just touched on so many different issues, like the environment, obviously being a Muslim in like post 9-11 anywhere and GML foods. So, and then also of course the post-personal is political with the 
the whole fighting sexism about periods thing. So it's just like the fact that they were able to cover that many issues and we're just talking about the first two seasons. Pretty mm-hmm. impressive. Yeah. And I, yeah, I'm glad we were able to finally start talking about Degrassi because Degrassi and Skins are what I think of when I think of like actually what I watched as a teenager like the most. Yeah. And I feel like it makes sense for like us three to be, you know, doing this for Degrassi <laughs> because... You know, we were semi-political in our schooling career and we were, we've seen each other through a lot of those moments and we're still all really close. And I think that's- Also really- social outcasts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, social outcasts. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, back in the days of us being, you know, 2010s Tumblr feminists represent if you were there too you know i hope that you grew if you didn't grow i don't want to identify with you but as long as you grew from those foundations we can shout out that time (laughs) yeah so thank you guys so much for joining me hopefully i can have y'all back and we can talk about more degrassi sometime in a future season because i'm there's definitely going to be all more Yeah, I'm surprised Louise didn't make an appearance. I don't know where she is. She's must be sleeping. She has all that to herself because I'm in here. Make <laughs> a good use of her time. Yeah. Yep, yep. <laughs> Look at him staring at <laughs> Vinny. Yeah. Oh, oh. So cute. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to Leftist Teen Drama. Follow us on social media for updates. Links to our Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, and TikTok are in the show notes, along with links to suggested additional reading on the topics discussed. And don't forget to rate us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Solidarity forever, free Palestine, and abolish the PIC. Signing off, Maria.